0: So turn in your Bible, please, to to Mark chapter two. Mark chapter two. And yes, this my title screen is this. Are you sick? Are you sick? Great emoji describing feeling really crummy. And as uh, Igor said, this passage. Um, that we're looking at today, ends with that awesome quote from Jesus in verse 17, Mark 2, 17. And when Jesus heard it, He said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So who qualifies for God's help? It's the sick and the unrighteous. Those people who think they're well, those people who think they're righteous, they don't need Jesus. They can go on about their way. But we, by the Spirit of God, by the grace of God, realize our sickness, our need of Him, and we come to Him in a very, very needy way. I love the the psalm we read today. Um, You know that um, Psalm 119 is an amazing poem. If you'll notice uh, when you read it, it's broken up into eight-verse strophes, um, and the first one says Aleph, the next one's Beth, and then Gimel and Daleth. Those are the Hebrew letters of the alphabet, and if we were able to look at this in Hebrew, uh, you'd see that each line of those eight verses begins with that letter. It's not just some sort of random breakup. Uh, but this is an amazingly constructed poem uh, of, uh, to, you know, it shows you that worship isn't always just, you know, spontaneous, uh, happy feelings, you know, but this is, this is worship that took a, a tremendous amount of linguistic effort, you know, carefully weighing out, searching the words, and finding out uh, how, to, how to write this phenomenal poem. Um, and so I was just pointing out how beautiful uh, this one is for today. We just read, uh, you know, beautiful words. My, my soul, verse 25, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Uh, it says, show me wondrous things. Uh, verse 27, make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate on your wondrous works. Uh, we, we come to God needy, saying, Help me, feed me, um, make me well, and I trust in your power to change me. I need your intervention. I'm overwhelmed. I'm, I'm grieved. Um, I'm not strong. I need you. And that's that's where we come in today's uh gospel reading. So let me read Mark chapter 2 verses 13 through 17. It says, He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi. By the way, that's Matthew. Uh, we, ha- I met a Matt today, and we have other, how many mats in the room? I know one, you know, Matt, Matt, and Matt. So we got the nice diagonal mat here. Um, you're, you named, uh, eventually, digging down, you're named after this man. So this is your, your day, your passage of scripture. Uh, when, when Matthew writes his gospel, he puts the word Matthew. He says the, the man who was called Matthew. So he has Levi. Of course, that means the the priest. Levi the priest, the high priest, uh, who was originally the the sons of Levi, were the, the great priestly tribe of Israel. These are the ones with the responsibility of bringing people to God. And so we find this man Levi. So as he passed by, that's as Jesus was walking by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, see there's a a lot not said here. Levi then invited Jesus to his house and set up this massive banquet. There were dozens and dozens of other tax collectors and other folks there at this huge banquet, and Levi was very wealthy, so it was probably you know sumptuous food and amazing wines quite quite a festive atmosphere there and as he reclined that's and by the way, a little tiny research on this you 've heard of them reclining at table the last in the last summer they reclined they literally lay on soft pads on the floor right next to the table and eat uh, from a very, very low table. But that was actually reserved for uh, special occasions. Uh, Normally, they wouldn't eat that way, according to the research I did. So this this is a special banquet, you know? It's a a cool, awesome occasion. And as he reclined at table in his house, this is no doubt the, the house of Levi, and I think Luke says it is the house of Levi. Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's pray, O Father. We do believe in your power, and we ask, O Lord, that we would even individually uh, sense the, the, the uh, eye contact with you and sense your call of us today and that we, by your grace, would do what Levi did. He got up and he followed you. Oh Lord, may we uh, sense your presence and your power and your call today and call us to yourself. Feed us on the... Banquet of your grace, O Lord, through Jesus Christ, we pray all of this, our Savior, amen. Okay, so let's work through this uh, text for for today. First of all, I start out with the sea. He goes out to the sea, the crowd, and the teaching. The sea, the crowd, and the teaching. He liked to go out by the sea. This is the big Sea of Galilee, a big, huge, freshwater lake. That would, you know, have big storms in it. It was quite long. I think they said 12 to 17 miles in length and uh, seven, between four and seven miles wide. A very, very big hunk of water. And he'd like to go and walk beside the sea. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to do, isn't it? We get to do that at a different big Pacific sea. Uh, go out on the the course and watch the waves crash against the rocks. Anybody here like to do that? Yeah, it's a great opportunity. You know, sometimes I sit here in this office, and I go, what am I doing in this office? You know, just two blocks away, three blocks away is something people come the world over to see. You know, we have to discipline ourselves. Get out there and see it. <laughs> Take advantage of it. Think of those people in Iowa, you know, those poor folks. <laughs> You know, they want you to enjoy it, so go out and enjoy it. And Jesus enjoyed the sea, uh, but there's crowds there. And uh, this is a big crowded picture. Maybe it's a little bit of a hyperbole, but uh, there were crowds there. Not not 14 or 17 people, but hundreds and hundreds of people there uh, with Jesus that day. We, we know that the region was reasonably well populated. This is the... Um, west side of the big sea, and there was a big booming fish industry there, um, and there were lots of smaller towns, and people were coming from all over, and and actually there were people coming from the south, too, to uh, hear Jesus. Uh, I love this because it just reminds us that when God wants to, he'll gather a crowd. Uh, when he wants to speak to a lot of people, he has no problem um, you know, he doesn't have to boost his posts. He, he he works in people's hearts and brings them sovereignly to himself um, as, as he speaks. And then he's teaching uh, out there beside the sea. Just think of that. There's no portable PA system. You know, here I am with, you know, just like roughly 100 folks here, 75 to 100, and we have this PA system. You can hear every every little tiny bit that I say. Um, but Jesus is out there beside the sea with the wind and the waves and the seagulls. And he must have had a tremendous voice. Orators of that day had to have uh, amazingly loud, carrying voices, uh, just the bare voice of Jesus, uh, booming, perhaps, uh, c- carrying out over the all the other sounds and the the fidgeting of the crowd, and he's teaching them. It's a good question to ask, well, what what do you think he is teaching them? Um, And one thing, we could go back to the very beginning uh, of Mark's gospel. He tells us what Jesus was about when he taught. Now, after John was arrested, that's John the Baptist, Jesus came into Galilee, that's where we find him now, proclaiming the gospel of God. Uh, We like that because there's a time for mass communicating, a time to stand in front of the crowd and proclaim the gospel. We don't just suggest it. We don't share it. You know, like, I have an experience I'd like to share with you. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that sometimes, but the Gospel is powerful. This is God's truth. And it's true for everyone. It's not just true for me, and I hope you find your own truth. No. This is the, this is the Word of God. And it's so, it, it in itself. I love that. The Bible says, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is therefore profitable. You ever, you ever catch that? The impact of that? Believe me, everything I breathe out is not necessarily profitable. <laughs> you know, humbly speaking, let's just admit it, right? A lot of things that we say just aren't worth listening to. In fact, you know, as your your married life, sometimes you say something and you realize your wife hasn't heard you, and then you realize, well, you know, it's really not much to say anyway. I mean, I'm glad you didn't hear that; there wasn't anything there. Uh, but the word of God is is profitable. So there's this aspect of proclaiming, and he's proclaiming the good news, the glorious news of God. This is why Jesus came. He said, this is why I I came out of heaven, to teach and proclaim the Word of God. And so this is the summary. See verse 15 there in Mark 1. He was saying, the time is fulfilled. There's a timely aspect to this. Now is the time. The Scripture says "Now, today is the day of salvation. Uh, that everything is fulfilled. Now Messiah is proclaimed. Uh, now the kingdom is here. And the kingdom of God is at hand. He's proclaiming uh, to us a whole new way of life. We will now live uh, directly in the kingdom of God, submitting to the king, worshiping the king, uh, living for him, we now become citizens of a completely different nation. We're citizens of heaven, the Bible says. Uh, right now, you know, we, we, we live here on the earth, and like I said, I, uh, we have the American flag right there. You know, we, we love our nation, uh, and we support it, and as we have opportunity, we work hard for it, and we recommend voting and, uh, and keeping the laws and, and all of those wonderful things, but at the same time, I'm a citizen. I'm actually an undocumented alien, an undocumented worker. You know, I don't actually have uh, documentation, meaning I'm, I am from another nation. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, and that's what he's saying. I'm here to proclaim the kingdom of God. It is a hand. So what should we do? We should repent and believe in the gospel. Repent means admit our sickness, our unrighteousness admit our need turn from it turn to god uh, completely and do it over and over again every day lord i turn to you and i believe in this good news that jesus is my savior that he died in my place he died for my sins and and also just to go back to these glorious uh, words that jesus said remember last week we talked about this i just love this story of the guys who, four guys, very committed to getting their friend to Jesus in the previous story. They climb up on the roof, they break through the roof, they lower him down, and it, he's, he, this guy's paralyzed, uh, and he's on this cot. This is not an actual picture of the event. <laughs> but it's <laughs> simulated. But but what is what comes out of his mouth you know what it, it, i think everybody in the room and his friends too and perhaps the patient on the bed wanted to hear you're healed you know get up and go you're go you're ready to go but he actually said something way better his number one priority is is to this guy this is what he said to him son your sins are forgiven and that's the gospel the glorious Awesome news that Jesus has provided for our sins to be forgiven. And as I said last week, um, I think quite honestly this paralytic guy would tell us that was the good news. He did heal me, but it turned out I only lived 22 more years and then I died. That healing was pretty cool, but the forgiveness of sins is eternal, eternal, eternal. And also, there's a corollary to this. To be quite honest with you, God does not promise that he will heal you of all your uh, physical ailments, your diseases. You know, many, many, many good saints die from cancer. Uh, one one um, pastor I knew in, in, uh, in San Jose, his name was Frank. I used to preach when he was on vacation, and he, we kind of had this family connection that went way back when I was a little kid. Well, Frank, his name was Frank Emmett, pastor of a nice little local church there in San Jose. He got lung cancer, and he's never smoked a cigarette in his entire life. It's just like, what? It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, and he, of course, he got all the best treatment you could possibly get through Stanford Medical Center, et cetera. Et cetera. Well, f- but Frank... And, and, and how many people were praying for Frank, you know? He's a pastor. Everybody loved him immensely. And they prayed for him. And he did not get his healing. He died, uh, you know, uh, at a young, relatively young age. And it, it, does that mean, oh, the gospel's not true? No, the Bible never, ever, ever promises that you will be healed of your physical illnesses. But it does promise that you can be forgiven of your sins. And it's a much better deal. You know, it's it's awesome and beautiful. Even one of our songs said, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the hope, that's the true promise. Uh, that you can be saved. So that's what he's teaching. He's teaching about forgiveness of sins. He's teaching about change, repentance. Uh, He's teaching about how to go from sick and unable to healed and able. Uh, That should be the story of our life. We're, We're healed of our sin, sickness, the terminal illness, eternally terminally ill we're healed of that and we're, we're moving on in strength to live for our Lord God and so it, it's a beautiful thing he's out there there's the sea there's the crowd and there's the teaching and so as he's passing by he, he liked to walk apparently what else what other options did he have, right? Well, I guess he could have been riding something, but <laughs> a horse or something. But no, he's walking and as he passes by, you know, can you sense the movement here. Sense what's going on. There's, a, there's an opportunity. There's, and imagine Levi. He's, now what is this tax table business? Uh, well, this is a cool historical note, actually. Uh, this is in the town of Capernaum and there was a historically famous highway, a toll highway, called the Via Maris, and it it went from uh, places on the Fertile Crescent, uh, you know, to the north and to the east, and like Damascus, etc., and it's this road that, that came down, and it had some branches off of it. One branch came through Capernaum, one went right over to the sea, and another branch continued right on to, uh, to Egypt. It was a, a trade route. Like I said, this is hundreds, I mean thousands of years old at this point. And the Romans took over the road, and they started charging tolls. It, and you think, well, it's just a little thing, uh, you know, ten bucks. Uh, I think, Charlotte, I can't remember, we were just in New York, and we were taking the bus through the... Holland Tunnel, I think to drive a car through is either $12 or $15 now. It's just, you know, crazy. Um, well, in U.S. history, there's an, an amazing guy named, uh, the last name of Moses, Robert Moses, who uh, helped rebuild New York City after the Great Depression. And the, the way he helped rebuild it was he figured out, it doesn't take, you know, a brilliant brain here, but he figured out if you charge a little toll for crossing a bridge or going on a, you know, a tunnel or whatever, it all starts to add up and you start to have tremendous wealth and a huge muscle that you can use for various other things. And that's exactly what Robert Moses did and very famous guy in the history of New York City. Well, here, this goes way back, see. So why are the Romans interested in this? This is a tremendous uh, source of revenue. Um, and Levi is a Jewish man, therefore, and he's working for who? Or I guess, should I say for whom? I think that's the way to say it. For whom is he working? <laughs> Rome. Rome, yes, Rome is the ruling power in the area. Rome is the oppressing government of the Jews. Rome is therefore actually hated And so here's this tax man. Uh, He's he's disliked, distrusted. Uh, Why is he so distrusted? Well, like I said, he's collecting these tolls uh, for the Roman government. And this is an oppressive government. First of all, just collecting taxes for government, even the IRS, right? Honestly, if you went home Monday and you got an official-looking letter from the IRS it's going to be a little alarming right who isn't going to be alarmed about this what what is it? you you know either you're a two two type of person you're going to open it at the mailbox and figure out what it is or the other type you're going to take it in the house and stare at it for a couple of weeks <laughs> yeah. hoping that it's not as bad as you think it might be right <laughs> Uh, because they can shake up your world, they can get your bank account, they can do uh, scary things to us. So, but, so he's a tax guy working for the Roman government, the oppressive government, and, and these are Jews working for Rome, and they typically cheated their fellow countrymen too. It was part of the deal. They could actually gather more taxes than were due as their commission, and the commission seemed to be on a sliding scale, uh, sliding toward Levi. Uh, Remember good old uh, Zacchaeus? Remember the story of Zacchaeus? We'll get to that another time, but he was in the same profession, Uh, and Jesus called him down, and remember one of the first things he did was make restitution uh, for all the people he had stolen money from in his community, so they typically cheated their fellow countrymen. And, and, and as a result of this, they were often rich. As I said, Levi apparently had a, a big house and he would throw a lavish banquet at that house. He was rich and people just don't like rich people. If you're poor, you kind of despise them. Like, who, who do you think you are? You got your riches in this uh, crooked way. So, so Levi is grotesque to most Jewish people. They would spit on him, or toward him um, and try to avoid him. And no good Jewish person would go into his house, for example. because He's, he's dirty, he's uh, unclean. And it, it is this guy that Jesus pauses. Uh, so we go from the mass communicating to, to the individual now. Jesus does believe in, in mass communicating, but now he's coming right in and spending time with an individual. And look, look at what it says here. It says, as he passed by, you know, as the opportunity comes, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus. Now, Jesus already has demonstrated this God characteristic. That he knows what's going on in people's minds and hearts. And he knows everything. That's a part of the nature of God. Remember, we even saw that in the previous story. uh, Because, uh, go back up to uh, verse 5 of chapter 2, the the glorious words I already read Son, your sins are forgiven. That word, son, is a a term of endearment. Uh, Jesus was probably younger than the guy, or at least, you know, they weren't like a big age difference, but it's a term of endearment. Little, little, the Greek is actually little child, little child, little, you know, my son, your sins are forgiven, and you would think everybody would say, oh, isn't that sweet, isn't that nice, he said that, but no, the scribes are, are, are sitting there, and they're, and they're questioning in their hearts they say, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can, who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves. Okay, so the text is very emphatic about this. These guys weren't vocalizing outside. They were thinking it in their hearts. They were saying, hey, what is going on? So here Jesus is demonstrating that same capacity. He, he 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 walks by. I don't think he's ever talked to Levi before. He doesn't know Matt. He, they, like he and Matt weren't golf buddies. Uh, he, but he goes by and he sees him. And you just imagine that moment. Um, their eyes kind of lock or something. Uh, he sees him and he knows him. He knows that he is Levi named after the great high priest. And now he's a turncoat working for the Roman oppressors, ripping off his fellow countrymen. Uh, And this guy, he says, he was the son of Alphaeus. He's somebody's good son. And he's sitting at the tax booth. And he says to him, Jesus says to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Again, this is the glorious gospel. At some point in our lives, uh, and maybe many points, but, but Jesus, in, in a spiritual sense, is near. He's sort of passing by. And he makes eye contact with us in a spiritual sense and says, I want you to follow me. I want you to come to me. And we have this opportunity to get up and go. And exactly what Levi does at this moment. The Bible's really clear on this. Levi didn't deserve this. He didn't earn this. Um, He had apparently been hearing the gospel and something was going on in his heart and soul and he was was yearning for God. Notice the text says uh, in verse uh, 17, during the banquet, it says, for there were many who followed him. So in this banquet hall, there were a lot of people believing in Jesus. Uh, In that banquet hall, the tax collectors and the sinners had been turning to Jesus in their hearts and coming to him. And apparently that's what's happening in Matthew's heart. Uh, This is an example of what the gospel is. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Matthew, Levi here, is a sinner. He needs to be forgiven He needs to come in faith to Christ and trust in the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers. And that's exactly what he finds from our Lord and Savior this day. Beautiful, glorious forgiveness. And that is the gospel. Uh, Let's turn to Romans. I want to turn, read a little bit of Romans here. Because there's this personal thing here. You could ask the question, why did did Jesus love me? Why why did Jesus call me? Why does Jesus call Levi? Why me? It's the grace of God. Uh, Let's look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. It says this While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the love of God, you see. Um, I happened to see uh, uh, the royal wedding. Yesterday, I don't know if anybody see it. Pretty amazing. Well, I didn't see it live. I saw some of it live. <laughs> uh, but there there's a pretty interesting sermon by an American uh, Episcopal preacher. Anybody see that? Yeah, a couple of people did. It was a sermon on love. And they, they quoted from uh, the Song of Solomon that said love is, love is like a fire. It is, it, it, it is, it's as strong as death. It's as powerful, powerful, reality. And the, the preacher did a really good job of showing how historically mankind, when we harnessed the power of fire, it, it changed us radically. Uh, if you can harness the power of fire, you know, fire is really destructive. It, it destroys things. But if you can harness it and use it, you know, you can heat your home, you can cook your meals, you can uh, make things clean, and you can uh, motivate, you can move things, you can move great ships, you can move cars, you can attend weddings, you can fly over the Atlantic uh, because we harness fire. And the Bible says that love is fire. And when God, and, and, and love is like fire, and that is if you love the wrong thing, it's a really bad and dangerous thing. You're made to love. You're like a love machine. <laughs> you're made to be. Uh, that's that's what you do. You you're devoted. We're made to worship. And we're made to be committed. You know, uh, to but we got to be committed to the right thing. You know, in a sense, God is the ultimate in, in harnessing the power of love. He is love, and and his love comes harnessed and channeled into solving the problem of our sin, the problem, the epic cosmological problem of the entire time and space continuum is solved in in the death of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And it's the harnessing of this power that's as strong as death. It's stronger than death because it overcomes death. And and so that's what this is. This is, you know, Levi, the least likely to be a follower of Jesus, is called by Jesus, and he's radically changed. That one song we uh, sang is really awesome, too. Um, All that I thought was important in life, I I realized it's not important anymore. I'm going to live for something completely new and completely different, because you're the best You're everything to me, O Lord Jesus. Let's get back to reading a little bit more of Romans, please. It says, I got off on that word love. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. This is awesome, amazing salvation that Levi is called into on this day. So what happens? Uh, Levi obeyed. He obeyed the call. Uh, He uh, Just look at those simple words back in Mark. What, What does it say? He's sitting at the table. He's sitting at the place he always sits. He's sitting at the place where he's earning money just by just by being there. He's got it made. He's got all the wealth he could ever want. He's sitting at the tax booth. And Jesus says, follow me, and he rose and followed him. Can you imagine the other guy sitting there, like, what are you doing? What's going on here? You're gonna get up and walk? Away from this to that penniless, ridiculous individual there. And that's what Levi did that day. And the Bible says, obey the gospel. Obey. Repent of your sins. Come to Jesus. Do it now. He's passing by. Don't put off the opportunity. Today is the day of salvation. He'll save you now. It's a beautiful invitation, and Levi obeys the gospel. And then, so let's get back into the banquet hall. They're having a great time, and as I said, the good Jewish people wouldn't be in there. No good Jewish person would be in there, because these are are the publicans, the tax collectors. You know, interesting, when, when Jesus tells us to do church discipline, he says that, uh, the last level of church discipline is when, when somebody refuses to repent after so many layers of attempting to, to reconcile that person, but they continue to refuse to repent, uh, we, we would excommunicate them. And what he says is, you treat them like a tax collector. Now, you know, that's just an interesting thing because uh, that just shows you the cultural baggage of what it means to be a tax collector. And he's here in this big room Full of tax collectors, and the guys hear about it. Unfortunately, one of the tax collectors went online and Instagrammed uh, himself with Jesus, and it got out just like that. So uh, everybody started complaining, "What's going on in that banquet hall? It's a disgusting thing. Why are you, Jesus? Why are you with?" I, and I, I tried to, I tried to look up this word "sinners," you know, and it means sinners. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not really specific. You know, who are you talking about here? It's just all kinds of different people that uh, need to be forgiven, essentially. And so they're complaining. And then, so we, we end with these glorious words of Jesus. I think about this for just a couple of minutes. Um, it, it says there, uh, verse 16, they ask the big question, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why is he spending time with those people? You know, why doesn't he spend time with the good people? And, and it just it's like a, a, a soft ball, not a real high pitch, but a nice slow pitch that's easy to hit right over the base, a big fat one for Jesus to whack. And the Holy Spirit sets things up like this for him all the time. It's a beautiful thing. So, and Jesus heard it, and he said to them, those who are well, you think you're well? Have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. You know, here's this little sweet baby in an ICU. Uh, I've been worked in ICUs a whole lot, and you know, just this is an example of somebody who's very, very, very sick, getting tons of intervention. This this individual, you know, just. Go with me. He needs a physician. You know, he's desperately in need of help. And we have lots of amazing interventions that work super well in this day and age. But it's those who are sick who realize they need Jesus that get the help he offers. And so there's the great words of Jesus. Those who are well have no need of a physician. We don't preach the gospel. We preach the gospel to everyone, right? Uh, but a lot of them figure, well, I don't need that. It's a, a myth. It's it's uh, unnecessary. It's good for you. I'm happy for you. Religion is a crutch. Wasn't it Karl Marx who said religion is the opium of the people? Uh, let's just keep them high on opium. Go ahead and believe your religion. Uh, but, but those of us who are, have enough self-awareness to realize our sinfulness, we know we need to be forgiven. We know we, we're sick. We are sick. We need Jesus. He says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So the text, I think, asks us this question. Do you qualify? Do you qualify for help from Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we need your help. Thank you for this text. Help us like Matthew, like Levi, to sense Your your nearness and to hear Your call in Your sovereign kindness. Call us to Yourself, O Lord God. Call us right now. Help us to get up and follow You. To be forgiven forever. Have the best Gospel news written across our lives. Son, Your sins are forgiven. Lord, we want to hear that more than anything. We thank you for this glorious good news. We pray that we will live for you. In the name of Jesus, amen.